Welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast presented by SB Nation. We are the voice of Patriot Nation. It is Friday, January 18th. We have the AFC Championship game coming up this weekend in Kansas City. To talk about that game, we have John Dixon, the deputy editor for Radio uh, for for Radio for Arrowhead Pride, coming on to talk with us. Really interesting interview, and of course, we do our up high, down low, too slow for the Chargers game. You don't want to miss it. Let's get going. Cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's I'm doing well. What a win. What a win. Um, oh, that's nice. Not it? what we were expecting. I think we were a lot more nervous, and they, they calmed us down right away. So I'm happy. We got a big one this weekend. Hopefully we can uh, string it together. We've looked really good since Pittsburgh. I know uh, competition wasn't great to end the regular season, but uh, this yeah. is for the, all the marbles. This will be the real test. So I, I think we got it. I think we got it. We'll get into it later, but I'm, I'm feeling we confident. Will. I'll tell you what. That team last week was a team I haven't seen all year. That's a different yep. team than I've seen all year. They were, and that's a dangerous team too. So absolutely. So, so it should be interesting. It'll be a fun weekend. And uh, and like I said, we do have John Dixon coming on. He's the deputy deputy editor for Arrowhead Pride. And so we're going to get into that interview right now. All right. So we are going to welcome onto the show John Dixon. He is the deputy editor for Arrowhead Pride. Obviously, the SB Nation or the Kansas City Chiefs uh, outlet for SB Nation. John, welcome to the show. Uh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. And so we'll get right into it. I mean, this is a matchup that I guess has been really we've been looking forward to this matchup since their matchup in Foxborough. Uh, they've been the two best teams in the AFC all year long for the most part. Um, and there was really, you know, and I guess maybe the Patriots slipped a little bit here and there, but there was almost no question that this matchup was coming from the beginning. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think we all thought that uh, in order to get where we want to go, we would have to get past the Patriots in some fashion. So I think that's a fair, uh, fair representation of what we all thought, I think. Yeah, it's crazy to think, too, you know, as much as the Patriots have struggled on the road, obviously, three and five going into Arrowhead. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the fans react, because I'm not a big Fox Sports one guy, but I saw a little. Colin Coward segment today talking about, and you can attest to it because I've never been out there. You know, obviously it's, it's ranked whatever, you know, statistic is number one loudest stadium in the world. But he was saying, you know, they're going to be bundled up because I guess there's some Arctic blast coming over there. It's going to be neg- close to negative five. And that could affect the, the noise level in there. If people are bundled up in their face. So I, I, I wanted to hear what your thought was on that. Cause I thought it was kind of interesting. 
Well, I would say that the gentleman has never actually been an Arrowhead in extremely cold weather. <laughs> I'm not a been. Colin Coward fan, but I, I figured it was it was kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, I I would disagree with that. Um, you know, yes, uh, it's going to be very cold. I've been an Arrowhead when it's that cold, and I don't think it's going to make any difference to Chiefs fans how cold they are. And in fact, I would suggest that they might actually be louder uh, just so they can keep their bodies moving to stay warm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as a Patriots fan who has season tickets and I can tell you, like, I was upset. I was, I was genuinely upset when the storm missed us last weekend, because I was like, I want the snow. I want it cold and snowy and nasty out. That's what I want. I just, that's what I'm looking for. So yeah, I'm excited about it. It's playoff football. Playoff football is supposed to be cold. It's not supposed to be played. Well, there's still, there's, there's still some snow on the ground here in Kansas city from last weekend's storm. And I, I haven't actually paid close attention to the weather forecast, but I think there is a chance for more snow before Sunday. I think so. So we could have some more snow on the ground by the time the game gets here, but for sure it's going to be extremely cold. John. Uh, So, so that the arrowhead has a, uh, field heating system so the field should remain in pretty good shape regardless of the temperature so that's good Which so good. john obviously you know we pat wants to get into brady and mahomes i'll kind of start it there too just to bring up a point since we're on the weather as well you know obviously we know tom brady's record in in cold in must win games it's it's ridiculous i know he's you know hasn't played a road game he's only played two road games in the last 23 games so i'm talking about in foxborough when it's cold he's there patrick mahomes mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got, you know, obviously hasn't gotten as much experience in the cold. I know he's been in Kansas City for two years, first year starting, played, I think grew up in Texas and went to Texas Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, it, how is that going to affect him? Because, you know, he, he's not used to these type of games yet. Obviously, the must wins and, and when it's cold like that, you know. Well, I think that would have been a fair question to ask last weekend um, because he admitted after the game he didn't think he had ever played in a snow game before. And um, in those kinds of weather conditions, but he actually uh, played a very good game. We all thought Um, statistically, it doesn't look really good in the box score, but uh, that's more to do with how passer ratings are calculated than it is in how in the quality of Mahomes play. Um, We all felt that he acquitted himself extremely well in that game against the Colts. Well, yeah, I mean, I was surprised at as how well he played because you're right. It's a guy in the cold weather now. The one thing I will say is that the Colts, and I, I tweeted this out because I picked the Colts to win last week like an idiot, but I, I tweeted this out <laughs> yesterday uh, on on Sunday when I'm watching the game, and I said, you know, I feel like we all forgot, or oh, I'm sorry, on Saturday when we're watching the game, I feel like we all forgot that the Chiefs are a dome team that can't play in the cold weather. They've been like that. They're in as far as I know, the entire franchise, you know, Manning used to come here when it was cold weather or they couldn't win. Luck would come here mm-hmm. in cold weather they couldn't win. And so then they go to Kansas City. It's deep. It's cold. It's not, you know, like negative five, but it was cold and it was snowy a little bit. So they get outside and all of a sudden they just, uh, the, from the first drive, you could see it. You could just see like they ran the ball the first two times and then Ebron's wide open across the middle. Luck doesn't make a great throw. Ebron drops and you're like, uh-oh. Like as soon as I watched those three plays, I was like, "Oh no!" Like Colts, Colts were in for a long day, and you know, like I said, from the from the literally from the opening snap, and so you know, I so it was ugly. 
So I, it will be interesting to see kind of in a matchup where if the Patriots can bring what what the Colts couldn't bring to the table and, you know, whether the Chiefs can withstand that because the Chiefs had a big onslaught and then really didn't score again uh, for a while, you know, had, had a lull in there for a while until the end. And so, you know, of course, Patriots did that, but they were up 35-7 to 7 at the half, so it didn't really matter at that point. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those interesting things. We'll see what happens. But I think you're right. I think Mahomes is a special kind of guy. Like he doesn't seem to be affected by a lot of those things. And so some of the comparisons to Brady, I think are a little soon maybe, but I think he's just so unfazed by things that he doesn't seem to turtle in those big situations. And I think that that's something that's impressed me with him so far this year. Well, I think you've hit the nail right on the head. That's what's impressed all of us. We knew uh, that he had a, a howitzer strapped to his shoulder. Everybody knew that about Mahomes. The unknown was um, how is he going to adjust to the NFL? How is he going to adjust You know, going from the college game to the NFL game? Is he going to be able to handle the kind of offense that Andy Reid uh, runs, which is everybody agrees it's a complicated offense, uh, will he be able to handle that load? And when um, they were looking at Mahomes prior to the draft, they met with him and spent like six hours with him uh, trying to throw as much as they could at him and see how much he could absorb. And as it turned out, he was able to absorb all of it. And yeah. the Chiefs then felt, this is the guy we have to have. They knew the talent was there, the physical talent was there, but they also believed after spending that much time with him, that he could handle the demands, the mental demands uh, of the offense. And the coaches consistently say, and it's pretty easy to see when you watch it happen on the field, that he has nearly a photographic memory. He denies he actually has a photographic memory, but (laughs) he seems to have nearly a photographic memory. He is able to see alignments and see blitzes and remember them and learn from what he sees and continue to get better and better and better. Um, You know, Peyton Manning was the guy that, in my mind, will always be the champion of being able to dissect what's going on in the field in front of him. One of the best pre-snaps in the league. Him and Brady, best two best ever pre-snap. Right. And... um, Mahomes has been pretty good at that, though. Mahomes has that kind of ability, but he also has extraordinary physical tools. And um, we have been astonished to see the progress that he's made in a very short time. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I've, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't know too, too much about him coming out of the draft. I really didn't. And, you know, this year, I, I, I love his game. I love, you know, I think. He's a special talent, and he can get away with some throws and get away from some pressure because he's such an unbelievable athlete. I just, uh, I think he's going to be very, very good for a long time. But he can have his glory when, you know, the King Tom Brady takes his, uh, when he takes his, uh, when he takes his King crown off. He can hand it over to Mahomes for a little bit till the Patriots get good again. But um, kind of segueing into the running game because I think. You know, for both teams to win, I think it's important to establish the run. We obviously saw what the Patriots did on the ground game this past weekend with Sonny Michelle, where they just ran it down their throat. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. They didn't know what was coming. But I want to talk about your running back situation. Obviously, the the incident with Kareem Hunt happened, and, you know, you guys have rebounded 
you know, big time. And, and I think, you know, Damian Williams has done a really nice job. I think a lot more than people had expected because obviously Hunt was such a big uh, part of that uh, offense. And Williams kind of came into the year. They were talking about, you know, third or fourth running back behind, you know, Hunt, Spencer Ware, and sometimes Charkandrick West. So I think, um, I don't know if you want to touch upon that a little bit about your running game. Well, Damian Williams has been very impressive uh, since Hunt left the team. Um, of course, Spencer Ware was the backup to Hunt and was injured pretty quickly after uh, Hunt's release. And Damian Williams was put in a position that he had to step up, and he has done so. Uh, he's been very impressive in his outings. I should note, though, that Charkandrick uh, West actually didn't make the final 53-man roster at the beginning of the season. The Chiefs released oh. him uh, about 10 days before the season. Trying to get on with another team. And then uh, as things developed uh, over the course of the season, they brought him back onto the oh, I was going to say, I thought I saw him on a, on a special teams play this past weekend. Right. He has had limited offensive snaps, mostly as, you know, like a pass blocker or whatever. Uh, but right. uh, basically, basically, he was brought back to be a backup, backup running back and right. to play on special teams. That's something that Chiefs value very highly. Um, they're, it's clear talking to the, to the coaches that they are thinking about team players that they want to have on the squad specifically to be special teams players. And um, in this particular season, Chuck Kendrick West is one of those guys. Yeah, that's something the Patriots really do a good job of is identifying those guys that are core special teams guys. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting because Brandon Bolden, who is really just a, a throwaway running back, uh, was you know a standout special teams guy for them for a long time. They cut him this year, and you could really see a decline in their special teams coverage, which is crazy to think that one guy could have that much of an impact. And you know maybe it just wasn't one guy, but but you know for whatever reason, they struggled a lot. Then they picked up Albert McClellan, who recovered a fumble last week uh, on a punt return. And all of a sudden they've gotten good again. So it's just like, now, you know, th- those two things could not be related. Who knows? But it's just funny how you lose a core special teams guy. All of a sudden your special team starts to struggle. You pick up another guy. He blocks two punts. He recovers a fumble on that. He makes a bunch of plays, but he's only played special teams, but he he's, has an, an ability to make an impact. And I feel like, the Patriots have always kind of identified those guys. And if the Chiefs are doing that too, that's a good sign because Reed's a great coach too. I mean, and we'll talk a little bit about Belichick versus Reed uh, a little bit later. But, you know, I think that that's a sign of a really good team is that they're identifying talent, not just on offensive defense, but also on special teams as well. Well, that's what you can expect with Dave Tobe as your special teams coordinator. Uh, right. He was terrific in Chicago before he came to the Chiefs and has done an outstanding job for the Chiefs. Um, They have not allowed, in the years since Tobe arrived in 2013, they have not allowed a single punt or kickoff return touchdown. That's an astonishing record. Yeah, Um, It is matched by nobody that I know of. Yeah. That's really – it's impressive. It's impressive. Tough to do. Um, so they, I did want to talk, though, I do want to switch out of, out of special teams and talk about the defense because 
and specifically Kansas City's defense. And everyone talks about how terrible Kansas City's defense are is and how they struggle a lot. Now, we know, obviously, Jones is a beast in the inside. And now mm-hmm. it looks like you're going to – now, we don't know for sure, but it looks like you're going to be getting Eric Berry back if that's the case, and he can be even close to 100%. Now you're talking about one of the best safeties in the league back in the game um, who last year shut out – basically shut out Rob Gronkowski in the opener last year. And so um, I think that – you know, well, I guess sell me on your defense, on Kansas City's defense, and how they're going to be able to maybe not stop the Patriots but at least slow them down enough to give the Chiefs a chance to win. Well, um, I would say I would give you two names to watch um, on the Chiefs' side of the ball. One of them is Charvarius Ward, and the other one is Jordan Lucas. These are both young players. Ward came to the Chiefs uh, in a trade. I'll probably get this backwards. No, Ward came (laughs) to the Chiefs in a trade with the Cowboys right before the beginning of the regular season. He's a cornerback. And Lucas came to the Chiefs in a trade. In a trade with the Johnny. beginning of the regular season. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you cut out. You cut out on us there. So you said oh, okay. uh, <clears throat> Ward came from the Cowboys, and who uh, the other guy? And, Lucas came from and where? Jordan Lucas came from the Dolphins. From the Dolphins, right okay. before the beginning of the season. And neither of these guys have had a lot of snaps on defense. Both have seen some special teams action over the course of the season, and. Going into the Seattle game, the Chiefs surprised everybody by benching Orlando Skandrick, a veteran cornerback that they had picked up at the beginning of the season, and also Ron Parker, who was on his second stint with the Chiefs, also signed to the squad at the beginning of the season because suddenly, because Barry was injured and we had other issues in the secondary at the beginning of the season, they were kind of in a desperation mode to get some more players in there for depth, which is why we ended up with Orlando Skandrick and, uh, and a fellow named Josh Shaw, who's no longer on the team and so on and so forth. In fact, Josh Shaw was covering Gronkowski on the long pass in the week six game that set up the winning field goal. Um, but, uh, Ward and, uh, Lucas replaced, Kendrick and Parker uh, unexpectedly for the mm. Seattle game. And they, uh, they did not impress us particularly well in that game, but the chiefs saw enough in them that they decided to keep that alignment intact. Both of them played very well against the Raiders and very well against the Colts. And in a lot of ways raised the level of the defense. Uh, substantially. Uh, the defense has played extremely well in the last two games, and uh, the Chiefs expect that to continue uh, this weekend and hopefully beyond. So those right. are two names I would watch for that probably will not be particularly well-known to Patriots fans. Um, Barry is the unknown quantity. Um, this has been a controversial situation for the Chiefs this season. Um, Barry ruptured his Achilles at the beginning of last season, was out for the entire season, and then came back to training camp, was practicing, and then one day they put him on the injury report, and he has literally been day-to-day ever since training camp. 
Um, what he has is a, uh, the reports say, the Chiefs have never confirmed this, but he's got, uh, what they always say is he has soreness in his foot, but what he reportedly has is a bone spur in the other foot, that, in other words, the other, uh, not the, the foot in which he injured his Achilles last year, but his other foot, he's got a bone spur that is digging into the Achilles tendon. It's apparently very painful. And uh, one of the therapies is to just let it heal, you know, and they have rehab that they can do with it and so forth. But he just hasn't been in a condition to play. He wants very much to play. The Chiefs very much would like for him to play. Um, And he did get on the field in week 15 and week 16 and saw limited action. But other than that, he has been out for the entire season with this day-to-day designation, which has been kind of controversial in Kansas City. Right. Uh, right. People wonder, why didn't you just put him on injured reserve at the beginning of the year and so on and so forth. Uh, But with each passing week, we're hopeful that he'll get back out on the field. He was a full participant in practice today. And um, even if he continues to be a full participant in practice this through the week, um, my guess is the Chiefs will still list him as questionable, and whether or not he plays on Sunday will be a game-time decision. Right. That makes sense. I mean, you almost wonder if it's a if it's a pain management issue. <clears throat> you know, it's one of those things where I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't just, you know, get a shot and try to gut it out and see what happens, you know. And then the Chiefs may look at it and say, you know, he's a liability back there because he's in too much pain. Who knows? But – you know, a guy like that, I, I would, I'd feel like it'd be difficult to keep him off the field, especially in a situation like this. Last week, right? You know, it's I the Colts, whatever. But this week's the Patriots. Like, I just feel like you know that guy's going to play. Now, maybe he gets out there and he's got nothing, and you know he gets burned on a play or whatever. And then, the, then the coaching staff's like, all right, we got to get, we got to get him out of here, you know. But, um, you know, but I feel like for him, he's going to want to be on the field, and if he can go at all, then I think you know it's definitely reasonable to see him at least dressed for the game for sure. Right. Well, I think that Barry is the kind of guy who will play if he thinks he can contribute at a high level. And if he feels right. that he can't contribute at a high level, then he will sit down. Um, Which makes sense. And the two, the two times he played this season, he was on a limited slap, snap count because they wanted to make sure that they weren't going to injure him further. And he played very well. Um, I mean, you know, the opening snap of the first game he played, he he forced an incompletion uh, on a safety blitz, um, and he he did it on his own. He saw an opening and uh, green dogged the play and uh, forced an incompletion on the opening play of the game. There are other plays that he made in that game. We all felt that we were seeing. Uh, a, at least a reasonable version of Eric Berry in that game, but right. he only played until uh, halftime in that game, and they took him out. And uh, he played a little more the week after that, and then he was back on the day-to-day designation, and Crazy. didn't play the last two games. That's wild. I feel like the Red Sox did something like that a few years back with one of their pitches where he was like day-to-day, and he missed like the whole year. And you're like, how can you be day-to-day and be out all year long? It's just but, you well, know, it's I guess been very it's, frustrating. It's been very yeah. frustrating for Chiefs fans because it's there's there's this mystery about it, 
and yeah. uh, many of them are, are tired of hearing about it. You know, oh, well, if, <laughs> let me know when he's going to play, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the two young guys with Ward and Lucas because the Patriots are in a situation similar where, you know, J.C. Jackson's a guy who was scratched, who was a healthy scratch in the Week 6 matchup, and he's really developed into, you know, a pretty solid number two corner uh, for them. And I think, I don't know for sure, but if I had to guess, I would say he's going to get Sammy Watkins uh, this week. And uh, and I think he has a pretty good shot against him. And it, it, he's just, he has really come out of nowhere. He's been, a, he was an undrafted rookie free agent this year, really came out of nowhere and has played fantastic, um, you know, really since he's been given an opportunity. And so uh, that's definitely one thing that's really changed on the defense. So I think defensively, you know, especially those corner spots, you look at it and it looks a lot different than it did, you know, week six, they had John Jones playing a lot of slot corner. Now it's Jones really isn't out there much. And, you know, it's JC Jackson and Jason McCordy will be out there kind of as a third corner. So it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation where things have changed in the defensive backfield. Um, you know, for the Patriots as well as the Chiefs, and you see that in kind of inf- infusion of young talent, which is uh, right. which is always and, good to see. Right, and, and I think that's going to be one of the interesting uh, facets of this game is that the teams are in a lot of ways dissimilar to the what what they were in Week right. Six. Um, you know, the defensive secondary being just one example. I'll remind you that in Week Six, Justin Houston was not playing. Right. And uh, Justin Houston is not the uh, the powerhouse, uh, game-changing, uh, pass-rushing linebacker that he was in his prime, but he is still a savvy veteran who can make plays, right. particularly in the run game. And uh, uh, Breland Speaks, who is a rookie, uh, was in uh, playing for Houston in Week 6, um, and did not do nearly as well as we would have hoped. Um, he was the man who failed to hang on to Brady when uh, Brady ran in for that fourth quarter touchdown. Okay. Um, yeah, he had Brady in his grasp and then was afraid and that uh, yep. that he was afraid he was going to get flagged for uh, uh, roughing the passer and let go. A kind of a typical rookie mistake given the situation with the NFL roughing the passer rules, which was very very nebulous in the early part of the season. It was in yeah. a lot of ways entirely understandable. Um, but um, that was a, a bad play for Speed. Yeah. He has played better as the season has gone on, but Houston is healthy again. Right. And particularly in the last couple, three games, has actually uh, shown a lot of his old mojo and is playing quite well right now. Well, you know, what's interesting about, and it's it's funny, well, you know, what's funny you mentioned Speaks because Trey Flowers had a play where he sacked Rivers and got called for roughing the passer. He was blocked low. He was blocked and fell down and tackled him low and got flagged for a 15-yard penalty on a sack. I saw that play, like, yeah. What the heck are we doing here, you know? But So it's almost an understandable mistake from the rookie, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But the thing about Houston that's interesting because, and it's going to kind of segue nice in, into the coach talk, which is what I really want to do with you next, is that – the Patriots played Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, who are two fantastic edge rushers who were really good at, at creating a rush all year long. And I don't think I heard their names called once. But I feel like a lot of the times it was just, okay, you're on the outside. Here you go. Go get the quarterback. 
And if you're going to do that to the Patriots, they're just going to say, all right, well, fine. So we'll just take you away. No big deal. You know, but I think that the Chiefs have good enough coaching. And this is really kind of what I want to get into with you. I think the Chiefs have good enough coaching where they're going to be able to find places to get him to where he's not going to be blocked. And, you know, the Patriots do that with Trey Flowers. You know, their best their best pass rusher. And they kind of free up space by, you know, doing games and stunts and all and delayed blitzes and things like that. And I feel like the Chiefs coaching staff is good enough to do that. And I think that that's going to be an advantage that we didn't see last week against the Chargers. And so that's kind of an interesting look at it. And and really, the head coaches is really what I want you to talk about, Belichick versus Reed, because I think for years now, people have looked at Andy Reed as a guy kind of like Peyton Manning before he got his first championship, where it was like, this guy's dominant in the regular season, but he gets to the postseason and something happens. He just can't figure it out. And it's kind of happened to him over and over again. You know, you had the Chiefs game against uh, Luck and the Colts back in the day, right? I don't even know, five years ago or so, where they were ever huge and Luck comes back and wins the game. You had the game last year against Tennessee where, you know, Mario, the only touchdown scored is Mario throwing a touchdown pass to himself. And so it's like you have all these different games and, you know, instances. And, you know, you can bring it all the way back to the, you know, Super Bowl 39, you know, where they just took took their time and took forever on that final drive and, you know, was never able to really mount a comeback against the Patriots, even though it was only a three-point game. It was never really close because they took so long getting down the field and, you know, clock management's always been an issue. But I think Reed is a guy that I think almost is an – I shouldn't say he's underrated coach, but, like, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I think that he sometimes gets dismissed when we're talking about the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, I think that's fair. Uh, it's interesting that you make the comparison to to Peyton Manning as the guy who's good in the res- regular season and couldn't handle it in the playoffs. In Kansas City, we would think of Marty Schottenheimer that way. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's he did the that way. We, yeah. Right. We, that's a, that's the comparison we would make in Kansas City. Uh, you know, because Marty was an, an exceptional oh, uh, yeah. coach in the regular season. But the style of his teams, the st- particularly the style of his offensive teams, uh, just couldn't seem to get it done in the postseason. With the one exception of the, with the exception of the years that Montana was here, which of course was right at the end of his career, uh, and and you know, 1993 was the last year that the Chiefs got as far as they've gotten this year to the AFC Championship game. So that you know gives you a sense of. Uh, of what our perspective on Andy Reid is. Um, right. You know, I think the matchup between Reid and Belichick is fascinating. Uh, in my preview for the game back before week six, I described it as two guys who've been sitting across from each other at a chessboard in the park every day for the last 20 years. <laughs> you know, they know each other well. Yeah. They're friends, actually. Uh, Belichick and, and Reed are good friends. And they understand what the other, how the other man thinks. They have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do in a given situation. But they're still capable, because they both know each other so well, to occasionally, you know, mount a, mount a flanking attack with your bishops and knights that catches the other guy by surprise. Right, And that's going to be, to me, one of the most interesting things about this game is to see how these two men uh, do their best to outfox each other. 
Right. Um, you know, and sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, Belichick has had Reed's number, and sometimes it's been the other way around. Uh, right. Both, sure. both here in Kansas City and in Foxborough. Yeah, that's a good point. John, kind of wrapping up the show here, wrapping up, you know, before we let you go, um, Patrick Mahomes, in my eyes, and I think in many people's eyes, is is the NFL MVP. I think you can make a case for Drew Brees, but Mahomes has been everything and more for them, and he's got mm-hmm. my vote. Um, but no MVP has ever has ever won a Super Bowl since uh, 1999 when Kurt Warner did it. Um, do you think Patrick Mahomes finally breaks that um, kind of that shaky stat? Tom Brady obviously had a chance to do it last year, and uh, he put up an MVP type performance in the Super Bowl, but his defense didn't really. So, <laughs> well, I've been very carefully tracking Kurt Warner's 1999 season over this season, and uh, because it struck me as a very interesting comparison, both uh, Warner and Mahomes played one game in their rookie seasons and then became a starter in their second season. So they've, the, as the season has gone along, when you make the statistical comparison between them, uh, right. hmm. Mahomes and, and, and Warner had played exactly the same number of games in the NFL. Right. And at the end of the season, Mahomes had exceeded Warner's statistics in every single category. So I don't wait, think it's beyond. Wait, John. Wait there. a second. Are you sure that Warner didn't yep. have more rushing yards? Are you sure? Because I feel like Kurt Warner had a ton of rushing yards in '99. I don't believe so. I'm just, I'm just joking, John. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Mahomes may have a few more rushing yards than uh, than Kurt Warner did in '99. No, I'm pretty sure on that one. Yeah. So I don't uh, think it's okay. beyond, So, so you make a good point that uh, being the NFL MVP might be considered a jinx if you happen to make it to the Super Bowl, if you get through this championship game and make it to the Super Bowl, that it's not something that typically happens. But it's been clear to me over the course of the season that Mahomes has met or exceeded the pace for what we would consider to be the poster child for a blistering start to an NFL career. Uh, Kurt Warner certainly uh, fits that category, fits that bill. And Mahomes has kept pace with him and at the end exceeded what Warner did in 1998 and 1999. And uh, so I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that uh, Mahomes could get to and win the Super Bowl. It's going to be a tough game to get there. Uh, nobody's right. going to say, certainly not me, that uh, Tom Brady is washed up or that the Patriots are anything less than they've ever been. Uh, the Chiefs understand that this is going to be a very, very, very tough matchup. Uh, and I personally think the game is going to be decided on turnovers, like most close, closely matched NFL teams, uh, mm-hmm. NFL games in the playoffs are. It's usually turnovers tell the story. And I right. think that'll be the case in this game as well. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's interesting that you were already comparing him to that 1999 year and and kind of that same situation where they were brand new. And I think, I believe that uh, MVPs are 0-9 in the Super Bowl since. So it's not just that they don't win the Super Bowl, it's that they get there and then lose the Super Bowl. Um, and so it's just kind of, it's it's a really bizarre stat 
Um, but it's one that, you know, has just kind of continued on. And it's one of those things just kind of like keeps going. And it's like, okay, when is it going to well, break? You know, and then uh, I got an even better one for you. Did you know that no uh, NFL passing yards leader has ever won the Super Bowl? I did know that. Yes. Because Bra- I think, was it Brady last year? No, Brady in 07 for sure. And they were, it, there's been a few instances where it's, it's a, that's a crazy stat too. And Mahomes, it is, it is a completely Mahomes crazy has that stat. too, right? Nope. Ben Roethlisberger no. was the passing yards leader in 2018 by about 20 yards. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and see, that's right. why, a- <laughs> and that's why that stat exists is because guys who win the, the title for passing yards sometimes play for bad teams. Right. And they've racked up those passing yards, passing a lot of yards in the third and fourth quarter trying to catch up. Right. Uh, and that's exactly. why that particular stat is that way. Uh, sometimes it's the mark of a quarterback who's had a spectacular season. That was certainly the case for Brady in 2007 and right. for Manning in 2013. Right. But yep. neither of those men were able to win the Super Bowl in those years. So yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's a uh, that, that's crazy. I didn't realize it was Roethlisberger this year. So yeah, he's already out. That's that's wild. Yeah, by by just the barest margin. Believe right. me, in Kansas City, we're up on all these stats. <laughs> <laughs> well that's right it's like always diagnosing to see okay do we have you know so yeah i don't blame you i don't blame you at all so um so before we let you go let's just pick the game quickly because i know i kind of have a feeling where you're leaning uh anyone that's read pat's pulpit uh this week um knows that i released an article on wednesday uh that probably gives my my position away but it'll be interesting to hear what bags have to say as well so um why don't you start, John, and, and just kind of give – so it, it is a three – so let's – you could pick who you think is going to win, and then also it's a three-point spread. So if you – let's just say you were betting on the game as well, would you – you know, would you take the Chiefs, would you take the Patriots, and who do you think is going to win the game? Well, the Chiefs are favored by what, uh, two and a half or three points, depending on – I think it's three points, the last yeah. Time I, yeah, the last time I looked, that's where it was. Um, so basically we're talking about two teams – that on a neutral field would be Betty. Um, right. And uh, I do think that the Chiefs have a substantial advantage in Arrowhead, not only because of the crowd, uh, but perhaps because of the crowd. Uh, the defense has played a lot better at home than it has on the road this year, something that not everybody has noticed about the Chiefs. Um, and part of that is because of the crowd. The Arrowhead advantage is definitely back. It was dormant for a while, but the crowd is really – with Mahomes, particularly on the field, uh, the, the arrowhead advantage is there again. Uh, right. However, I don't think this is going to be a runaway victory for either team. I expect this game to be a little bit lower scoring than it was in week six. I don't see a, I don't see a 40-point shootout in this matchup. I don't think either, either coach uh, wants to get into a shootout. Neither coach is going to want this game to depend on who has the ball at the end of the game, even though it might end up playing out that way. So I expect both of them are going to do their best, put their best defensive foot forward uh, to keep this from being a high-scoring game. And on that basis, I I all due respect to the Patriots and Brady, but I think the Chiefs have this one 27-24. Okay. Interesting. You know, I think uh, you made very good points tonight, and I agree completely with you. Um, I think it's going to come down to, like I said earlier, who can establish the run right away. Um, 
you know, I think I think if the Patriots are going to get pressure on Mahomes, I think they've improved mightily, you know, in the past couple weeks. I think obviously the weather's going to play in a, in, in, in a part in the game too. I think it'll be much lower than people have thought. Um, but I just I, – I have a tough time betting against the Patriots and Tom Brady. This is their eighth straight year. Um, they look like a team on a mission right now. And, and, you know, like I said, no disrespect to the Chiefs. They look like it too. Um, but this is the matchup we've all been waiting for. But like I said, I can't pick against Brady and Belichick. Call me biased. Call me a homer. But I got the Patriots <laughs> 31 to 26. I think. Uh, I think. Um, I think there'll be some points scored in this game too. I don't think the weather well, will be too much to affect them. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd, right. I'd, I'd, I would agree that the weather is. It's going to be close. It's going to be close. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Well, let's and hope I, and I, I have to agree with that since I've already said that I think Turner will make the difference in this game. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that brings me to, to that brings us to me. For those of you that haven't read, I know Spags and John, you both read my article from we're recording this on Wednesday night from from this morning. Um, but I, I mean, I have to actually say the words, but I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I really do, and and it it's, ugh, it's miserable, but. There's, there's a few reasons. One of them is the fact that it, it's on the road. I think if it were at home, the Patriots would win. And not that it wouldn't be – I think they would win by more than three. Maybe it wouldn't be 12. Maybe it wouldn't be 20. But I think, you know, they'd win by somewhere between seven and ten if it were at home. It's not at home. It's on the road. Uh, and the other big thing – and the thing that just keeps coming back to me is, you know, 2015 just keeps playing over in my head. Where you know in 2015 the Patriots it does had a feel chance. a little similar. It does feel yeah, I'll man. Give I mean, you they, that. I'll give you yeah. that. Yeah, I mean they they had an opportunity to sew up the number one seed. All they had to do was win in New York or in Miami. The last two games of the season, they New York forced them into overtime. The Patriots won the coin toss and elected to kick in overtime. So the Jets went down and scored a touchdown, won the game. Then they went to Miami and handed the ball to Steven Jackson for 97 carries for 14 yards and, you know, and lost that game. And so they end up as the number two seed. And then in the AFC championship game, have to go into Denver in what Brady played a, a phenomenal game that year, that game led them all the way back down, scored a touchdown down eight, and then, and just couldn't get the two point conversion and ended up losing by two. It just reminds me of that season because the Patriots had the opportunity. They beat the Chiefs in week six. Sure, they didn't show up against Detroit, and they didn't show up against Jacksonville, so they got blown out. But then when they played the Chiefs, and it was like, okay, I we know it's only week six, but we're already thinking about playoff seeding. You have to beat the Chiefs to get the number one seed. We said it then. Everybody said it then. Win this game, mm-hmm. and you get the number right. seed, and you're good. And they did. Well, we they were saying that. the same thing over here. Right, right. And that's, that's the thing, right. We're all thinking the same thing. Like, win that game and you get the number one seed, and then that team has to come to you, you know, in the AFC Championship game because they're the two best teams in the AFC. And and it doesn't always work out like that, but this year it did. Mm-hmm. But then the Patriots don't show up against Tennessee. The Patriots blow it in Miami when they should have won that game. And, uh, you know, coaching and execution screw up on the, on the final play of the game. And then Pittsburgh tries over and over and over and over again to give the game to the Patriots, and they just refuse to take it. And you end up losing those three games, and now you're the number two seed again, and you have to go into Kansas City. And I just feel like you don't get away with those. You do, you know, like the football gods kind of come together at the end, and they say, man, like 
you had the chances. They were right there in front of you. You had the opportunities and you blew it. And so now you don't get to win this game. And I felt that way in 2015. And I feel that way this year that if they had won any of those five games that they'd be playing this game at home and they'd win and they're on the road. And, and I, unfortunately, I just don't think, I don't think that they're going to win. Now, the one thing they have going for them, which it's interesting, and you talked about this a little bit, and maybe we can talk just briefly about it before we actually let you go, but is that um, is that they, they're playing the underdog card right now. And I feel like the team that says nobody believed in us is a powerful team. That team just has kind of an edge. We saw uh, with the Eagles last year. Look what they did. Man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's crazy the... to call the Patriots underdogs. It's crazy. I, I hate those fans. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the Chiefs are saying this, but you know, general sports, you know, NFL media writers and all, all these guys are saying, you know, no one said the Patriots sucked and and the Patriots aren't underdogs, but when you rank them and you, and you and you put all these shows out putting Tom Brady last on quarterbacks you'd rather have and the Patriots of the power eight of the eight teams left last week, they were eighth. They are the underdogs right now. They, they 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 feel that way. They got an old quarterback. All this stuff. It's it's two thousand one flip. So I guess you could kind of flip it. I know you, you said it feels a little bit like twenty fifteen. You said, um, but you could kind of say it looks like twenty two thousand one two with the underdog. No one expecting anything. Obviously not to that extent that it was then, but right. a little bit, I guess. I think last year is the perfect. I think last year with the Eagles is the perfect analogy, and it's really. I mean, because the Eagles had a dominant defense. They had a really good, you know, they had some really good pieces on offense, and they had a guy playing quarterback that just got hot at the right time, and they just blew through everyone that they played. And they had the whole time they had that we're the underdog and no one believes in us. Everyone thinks we sucks and, and we're gonna win and it doesn't matter. And you know, and and for whatever reason they rallied around each other and they were able to do it. And that's kind of the one thing, and of course, like I'm a Patriots fan, so of course that's what I want to happen. Right. But that's the one thing that keeps like trying to bring me over to to choosing the Patriots. And I know you wrote an article about it. And so I, I want you to, to touch on that as well. Well, I understand what Tom Brady's doing. And I said in my article that uh, I believe he's doing what he believes he should do. And I'm all for that. You if you're the leader of your team, you do everything you can to give your team the edge. And I, I understand that. I appreciate it. But I don't buy it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I refuse to feel, uh, I refuse to feel sorry for a team that's appearing in their eighth consecutive AFC championship game. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody in Kansas city, uh, believes for one second that, uh, the Patriots coming into Kansas city as three point underdogs means that people think that they suck. Um, I, that that's just crazy to me. Um, right. The Chiefs are taking the Patriots very seriously. The Chiefs fans are taking head. And uh, I, I, I think this is going to be a very tough game for, for both teams. And, um, you know, it's not – I don't think it's – you know, I nobody here is predicting a blowout, none of the three of us. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's fair. Um, you know, the, the, this team is, these, these two teams are going to go in there and they're going to fight and it's going to be a fight until the last minute. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I just, I understand what Tom Brady's doing. I get it. I was watching when it, when he, you know, I was watching, uh, the interview when it happened at the end of the game last week. And I saw that little smile go across his face. 
I know what he's doing. <laughs> and I approve. You know, I get it. Uh, right. As I said in my article, I saw Major League in 18, 1989. I know that's a powerful thing. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that I get it. Uh, but I, I, I just, I just, I just can't buy it. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. And especially coming from, you know, from a fan that, that hasn't really seen any of that success to be like, really like, shut up the eight straight years you've been here. Like, come on, let's let's get real. (laughs) So as a matter of fact, uh, on Sunday, he will have now started as many road games in the playoffs as he has started Super Bowls. So, which is insane. Um, but you know it's it's one of those crazy stats that like he started more Super Bowls than road than road playoff games and it's just like how is that even possible you know so it's it's interesting to be there so many to be there so often and to only have played now in his eighth playoff game on the road is just just is speaks to what they've been able to do you know well so. right because they have routinely uh, come into the postseason as the number one seed and if I'm right. not mistaken haven't all of their Super Bowl appearances been from the number one seed. No, actually, uh, in 2001 and 2003, ah, yes. they were the number two seed and went into Pittsburgh and won. And I believe, uh, I want to say one of the years, Indy choked, um, and they were the two seed, although that might not be right. Uh, no, in 2014, they went 14-2, and two, so they, that but they definitely certainly wasn't. Have- but they certainly have had a lot more success from the absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And they've, yeah. I mean, they've lost, they've lost one AFC Championship game at home and two AFC Championship games on the road. So they've certainly, you know, they that's the situation where they've definitely lost uh, some of those AFC Championship games. So we'll see. And from it should that be, perspective, uh, I would, un- and from that perspective, I would understand how Brady would feel like somewhat of an underdog there. Right, but to, <laughs> but yeah. to take that to the extreme of everybody thinks we suck. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the way you know. That's the way they got to do it, right? But like so, I said, it's 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 understandable. Um, yeah. You know, I salute him for for thinking that through and you know wanting to give his team an extra edge. That's his job. He's the right. franchise quarter quarterback of a great football team, and that's what you do when you're in that position. And uh, I believe that sometime soon we'll be counting on Patrick Mahomes to make that kind of a judgment. I would and, imagine. Uh, and I and I and I'm certain that he'll be able to come through. Yeah, no, it's, it'll be fun. So, and thank you so much for coming on, John. Um, I oh, really it's appreciate it. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And and so obviously you write for Arrowhead Pride. So I know it's a lot of Patriots fans listening, but hopefully some Chiefs fans too that tuned in to hear you and and hear what we have to say and. Uh, so Arrowhead Pride, really fascinating. I, I I think the articles over there are really good. I've been, you know, kind of reading up as, you know, as the week has progressed, and I like it over there a lot. You guys do a really nice job with things. And, um, oh, thank you. And so definitely check that. that out if you haven't. And what what's your Twitter handle so people can follow, can find you on Twitter as well? Uh, my, uh, my Twitter handle is Arrowheadphones. Arrowheadphones. I like it. So, all right. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate it so much. And, uh, and, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you next year. You know, and, and good luck. Not too much luck, but good luck this good luck this weekend. May the best man win. We'll say that. I, I appreciate that, and I'll send that back to you. Uh, good to talk to both of you. Once again, thank you, John Dixon, for coming onto the show. Like we said, not too much luck, but uh, may the best man win. <laughs> and to kind of finish up our uh, our our show this week, we will get into our our segment. We haven't done it in a while because it was kind of those two meaningless. You know, kind yeah, of bad games in the regular game. season. Um, yeah, but yeah. our up high, down low, too slow segment. We'll start with too slow. 
Uh, changed up a little bit. Like uh, too slow. Unbelievable game from him. Unbelievable game. Three touchdowns. Uh, hundred and it was hundred nine yards rushing. Um, something it was north of hundred. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but Sonny Michelle got caught from behind by Darren James on a uh, on a long run there. Uh, can't get caught from behind as a running back. Uh, like I said, he, he was he was good. He was unbelievable. Everything we asked for. You know, pound of the rock set up Tom to you know get the defense guessing, but. If we had to pick one thing that was too slow that game, we'll go with Man, that. He was huffing and puffing, brother. He looked yeah. like Robert Edwards. Robert Edwards, <laughs> when he was like broke some in his rookie year, and he was just like by the end was like, oh, dead, you know? And uh, But I'll tell you what, he had a great game. But, yeah, that was – I'm watching that like, oh, Sony, come on. It's, just, it's a safety. And a Derwin James is a beast. But, like, you got to beat that guy. <laughs> and so, so, but, you know, I mean – we uh we can't we can't ask too much from so but I like the I like the starting out with the too slow because let's get right into up high after that and guess who we're starting with Sony Michelle because he rushed for I think it was one twenty nine and three touchdowns he's an absolute monster uh he played unbelievable some of his moves in the in the hole were nice and not that gained you know just a few yards you know takes it from one yard to five yards and just stuff like that was huge uh, for them this week. And one of the things that he talked about when he was on the show here um, was that, was that uh, rule that they had inside the five yard line. It made me think of it this week because he got that carry, I think at the three and he was stuffed. He was stuffed. Yeah. And it, what's it? And Kirby smart, right? He's man. the Georgia coach. He must be shaking yep. in his boots watching that. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Loved it. And so he got, but he got stuffed at the three-yard line, and it happened once. I think he got stuffed, and then once he got, he was stood up, and he just kept driving and pushed his way in and fought his way into the end zone. And I could, all I could think about was was him talking about you know inside the five-yard line. So, uh, so that was cool. So that was an interesting kind of tie back into into his uh, into his interview here. So that was interesting. But what what a game from him! Absolutely. Uh, next one, offensive line. I said it. I wrote an article last week that you know I guess you could say every week. You know, the X factor is to protect Tom Brady. But I thought last week uh, versus the Chargers was one of one of their bigger tests of the year, obviously, with Ingram and Bosa. And mm-hmm. they shut them down. Trent Brown, Marcus Cannon, Joe Thune, Andrews, and Mason were incredible. Um, and you saw you saw the mic'd up. Uh, Bosa said, jeez, you know, stop getting rid of it so quick. And he's like, stop coming at me so quick. <laughs> you know, he commented on it saying he gets rid of the ball fast. So he was, he was on point in the offensive line, obviously, allowed them to do that. Yeah, no, totally true. Um, and then leading right into it is Brady. Brady was just, I mean, my God, Tom Brady. Dirty, man. He was dirty. He was locked in. And you know what's interesting about about him is that uh, he (laughs) – it's it's something – it's stupid, and it's something you'd never know if you weren't there. But I – when they when they come out of the locker room, they have one of their guys, one of their old, you know, usually one of the old players open the locker room door and then everyone says hello to him as they're going by. This week it was Troy Brown opening those doors. And, you know, we all know Brady and Brown get along really well. And he was his like number one receiver when he first came into the league. And Brady's always the first guy to the locker room. And usually he stops and says hello. Sometimes he gives the guy a hug. You know, Mankins gave a hug a few weeks ago, whatever. So Brown opens the door. And Brady just just walked right by. Didn't even didn't even know he existed. And it was just something really small. But I'm like, I saw that this is before the game even started. And I'm like, Brady is locked in right I'm, now. I'm I'm glad you got, said that too because I was gonna say before you even said that that 
his swagger, confidence, oh, yeah. and that you know that quote, you know, psycho Tom was 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 well in action. It was evident from the first drive. He oh, just yeah. came out sling, sling, sling. I mean, James White had six catches in the first two drives. It was check down, check down, bang, bang, bang. He was just, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was fantastic. So, so uh, Brady is our next guy there. And uh, two more. I'll, I'll I'll give my final one before Pat goes. Julian Edelman. Our guy, man, Mr. Reliable, you know, and it, it was great to finally see him back playing playoff football because, you know, you know, other than Tom Brady to watch during playoff football, Julian Edelman's got to be number two. Just his intensity, his determination, he's he's unbelievable. And you, the, his mics up after a playoff games especially are, are, are awesome. You oh, just yeah. see how it's competitive level. Oh, you yeah. you got to root for guys like that, you know, and uh, he was unbelievable. You have 11 catches for like 100 and something yards. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, he was, he shredded them. He made Desmond King like eat his lunch all game. Yep. Well, and and I think from the beginning, you know, he had the drop pass at the beginning, and then he fought for a few. One of the plays I think was on third down where he fought through two tackles and dove for the first down. And he just those are the types of plays that win you football games, and that's the Edelman we really haven't seen all year. And he really came through this game and and was I thought. Outside of Brady, the best player, maybe the best player on the offensive side of the ball uh, on Sunday. He was just – he was fantastic. And so um, playing with a lot of emotion, like you said, and and that's the type of guy that that we need and we're going to need in Kansas City if they're going to win that game. So um, our last one's going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. It's Dante Hightower. Dante Hightower had 10, not one, not two. Not, I'm not going to do the whole thing. But 10, 10. QB disruptions. He had nine pressures and a QB hit. Nine pressures. He was a beast. All those guys that were big pivotal pieces to that Super Bowl in 2000, what was that, 2017, 16, two years ago, whenever it was, all all played well. Every single one of them. Brady, Hightower, Edelman were your three main pieces why you won that game. Mm -hmm. They were the three best players on the field on on Sunday. 100%. And that's that's what you're going to need. That's what you're going to need. To be the best, you're gonna need your big time, you know, superstar players to come through and be dominant, and uh, and that's definitely what Hightower did. So he's the last of our up high and down low. Look, we're supposed to have five. We don't have five. How are we gonna find five? And it was hard to even find one because <laughs> he was good. It was, yeah. I mean, and then it's Stephon Gilmore, and Gilmore was great. You know, as he usually is, was very good for the majority of the game. One play. He gets caught looking in the backfield and uh, doesn't cover his deep third. It's so uncharacteristic. I haven't oh, seen yeah. it all year. Very, very uncharacteristic. And he kind of laughed about it after the game. And thankfully, he could laugh about it because they, they ended up blowing him out. But he's like, you know, I just got nosy and, you know, and, and, and crept up and, uh, you know, and got burnt deep for, for a long touchdown by Keenan Allen. But beyond that, that's all we got. There's nothing else. And so, um, you know, the down low is really just Stefan Gilmore. And again, it's really just that one play because Gilmore outside of that played really well. And, you know, he had a few, a penalty or two. It's going to happen. He's a physical guy. He's going to, he's going to get penalties called against him. Um, yeah. And but, that's one thing they can't have too, the busted coverage, because we've seen the last couple of right. times versus the, oh, God, not versus this the Chiefs. Week. Obviously they had Kareem Hunt, you know, had for two of those. But uh, Tyreek Hill had one this year with the 75-yard touchdown. They've had a couple, you know, busted coverage, mental breakdowns defensively that, you know, were key pieces in all the games versus the Chiefs. So they got to limit that this week. But, hey, we'll see, Pat. We'll see. Uh, hopefully yep. we're sure will. having another show next week, advancing to our ninth Super Bowl. <laughs>
Well, it'll be fun. Man. It'll be fun. So, yeah, that's the uh, you know next week. Obviously, we'll have a show, but hopefully, it'll be a Super Bowl preview and not a not a season recap. So, oh, let's uh, pray, you know, man. So, so we'll see what happens. And again, I'm not as I said, I'm not confident. But as a Patriots fan, I'm always hopeful. And I wrote in my article, I said, you know, I hope Fred Siegel takes me down on cold takes. You know, I hope I get cold take by Fred Siegel. I hope my my mentions are an absolute dumpster fire on on Sunday night because that means the Patriots won. Hey, if, if, they're, wrong, if they're attacking, they didn't read your article. They didn't read the first paragraph. I suppose. I suppose. I don't even you – know, it doesn't matter. I, you know what? People are going to say what they're going to say, and so I don't care. But if they're coming at me, it means the Patriots won. And so I'll be happy yep. either way. It doesn't matter. It's a win-win. So exactly. Exactly. So anyways, that's all we got. Again, thanks for John Dixon to coming. Uh, thanks to John Dixon for coming on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. And again, Arrowhead Pride, really interesting website. They do a really good job covering the Chiefs, man. And John's been covering the Chiefs. Since the 93 season, he's been covering the Chiefs in the media. So he's super knowledgeable, knows a lot, a lot of historical stuff as well. So uh, they do a really, really nice job over there. So definitely check out Arrowhead Pride if you haven't already. And again, even if you're just even if you're just looking, you know, to uh to what, you know, to like what the matchups will be this week, they're a really good place to go. They they're really insightful. So definitely check them out. And again, read Pat's pulpit. You know, I got articles on there, Spags got articles on there as well. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening, as always. And, uh, you know, let's see what happens, and we'll be back next week. Let's go, and, baby. Uh, Here we go. Hopefully, Here we hopefully go, be Pat. number nine. So, Here all right, go. brother. I'll, yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.